This podcast does contain spoilers, so if you're okay with that, listen on. If not, pause the podcast, go watch the movie we're about to talk about, and come on back. All right, sweet. Excuse me. Brian, uh, over here. Hey. Pardon me, pardon me. Why don't you have the popcorn? It's starting! Woo! <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Shut up. Shut up and listen to the podcast. Hey! There's a lot out there to see. This is what we watched. Rather than like than giving a retro look, kind of like, I mean, for lack of a better term or whatever, we can. <laughs> there's, that's a good way to transition into the movie we're talking to honest, about. Honestly, the movie, <laughs> like the with poor things, the, um, it does have this retro look. It does have all these like little intricate. Almost, uh, retro characteristics to its look, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it does even does even have black and white for a while. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> well, look at that transition. Uh, I fucked it up, and then I, you know, and then yes, you right at the ship. Clean it up, and then Matt, <laughs> Matt, help, 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 help. Uh, well, yeah, lo- let's go ahead and uh, why don't we why don't we start the show? Yeah. Uh, so, welcome to what we watch. This is a movie what movie review watched. podcast where I fuck up the intro five or six times, and then Matt helps us out. Yeah. <laughs> this is for movie lovers, for TV lovers, and for those who like playing patty cake, patty cake bakers. Man, that's right because we are talking about growing up. Technically, we are. I mean, I literally have a note about this movie being a coming of age story mm-hmm. starting from infant to adulthood yeah yeah like you're literally learning the the uh. in, like a, the entire time <laughs> with this like person that's like it's like an accelerated uh coming of an age story are you are you calling her special i don't know if you can call her special emma stone is special <laughs> And we're like, talking. We're ways. talking poor things. We're talking poor things. The surreal, surrealist. I would uh, venture to say masterpiece by Yorgos Lanthimos. But again, this is only his eighth, set third, fifth, seventh. I, I, I don't have know. No idea. Something feature. He's still. He's still. I don't remember his name. Fairly colors, early. But... Um, he did uh, the the lobster and oh, then okay. the favorite. Okay, so he does stay within the realm of quirky worlds odd yeah, yeah. like it, it's like in our world but also just off yes it's it's like an alternate version of our world basically yeah. an alternate reality if mm-hmm. you will yeah interesting yeah and apparently um i looked up the cinematographer cinematographer is robbie ryan mm-hmm. which i'm not really familiar with his work but um one of the ones that the names i recognize i never saw this movie but american honey he shot that as well i have not seen that i haven't even heard of that it's um all right well i take that back this is his uh imdb gives him uh 25 directing credits oh okay so i'm gonna take take that back he's uh but it probably involves like shorts (laughs) and stuff too right possibly or just oh yeah there's a music video there's a short yeah Yeah, so oh he's in a lot of music videos but mostly music videos anyway so yeah so this is one (laughs) of his his more recent this is his most recent feature shut up (laughs) was that for matt or for for me yes (laughs) all of the above (laughs) shut up anyway so yeah so we're talking yorgos lanthimos poor things uh and yeah this is this is uh, surreal and bizarre and very odd yeah but also beautiful to look at 
Yes. Um, I mean, it, even if it's not, even if someone doesn't think it's beautiful, it's just interesting. Right. Like, uh, it, it's, I keep going back to the word quirky. This movie is very quirky in, on so many levels, whether it's like the acting and the performances to the production design to the um, hair and makeup, mm-hmm. wardrobes, like everything is just very quirky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to say. It is. Yeah. It, um, it, it's got a very just strange feel to it but it works so well yeah like it, it it's not just like i i don't think it's just it's odd just to be odd but at the same time it kind of almost is it's just like hey mm-hmm. whatever you want to put on the walls put on the walls whatever right. you know kind of design you want to do with the costumes go for it mm-hmm. like it doesn't feel necessarily like those lends to the story itself but it kind of does and I don't quite know exactly how to describe that. And I wish I knew the words to actually right. like explain how I'm feeling about that because it it is. It's it's so odd and it's so different and it's so unique and, and really wonderful to look at in every frame. Yeah. Like we talk about with with um the the across the Spider-Verse movies, mm-hmm. um or the Spider-Verse movies, that every frame feels like a painting in a picture of itself. Mm-hmm. Poor things also feels like that to me. Almost every frame, really, like you could you could dissect it in every aspect, and it would it it looks beautiful, right? Well, it almost uh, in just talking about it now, it almost reminds me of like how some anime shows are because it's like set in our world, but also like poor things feels like it's almost like in an older time in our history and human yeah. history, yeah. But then they have like some futuristic feeling, like machines like in some of these places that uh emma stone's character went to Mm -hmm. bella um there was like those like trolley like things going up right on in the air right like um that's not something we have even today right exactly uh it was just yeah it's like this weird mix that i've seen in anime shows where it's like this is human humans on earth back in time but also with some futuristic elements basically uh, yeah. yeah it it it's almost like steampunk in a yeah, way yeah i was literally just going to say that yeah <laughs> in a in a little bit of a way it is and so i know that it's set technically it's set in the 19th century huh. but yeah it's got very few details that that are period or accurate to, mm-hmm. to the period um and i don't know why i love it so much like i love that it's it's like a a what if almost or yeah. like yeah totally basically yeah like hey what if what if they had electricity what if they had you know more understanding of science what if they were a little bit more progressed mm-hmm. but just put that in you know that time period put all of yeah. these details in that time period and see what kind of happens yeah it was just super interesting i mean there's even a part that i recognized on the most recent viewing where when they first take bella out in, uh, in the beginning in london mm-hmm. um they're in like the horse carriage, but it's got the horse head on a like a, a machine right. carriage, right? Whereas like everyone else just has the standard horses and carriages, right? Um, that was super funny. Like, it, and speaking of funny, like this whole film is like, it's like awkward funny in right. some ways. Yeah, it's like it's, it's not bellow out laughing funny, but it's just like <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's like a blend of yeah, awkward and cringe humor. Yeah, but also is. I don't know. It's it's really funny. It just really like everything works. <laughs> it's yeah. Uh, 
yeah, I don't even know. There's so many like little things. Like it, a lot of it's uh, the way Emma Stone's character like talks to others mm-hmm. is very like not socially what you'd expect. Mm-hmm. And then so it's just like I like I said, it's like kind of awkward and but it's hal- hilarious for us to watch. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like oh haha, you know that's not how people act. Yeah, but. And and to that, you know, in in this realm, I think Emma Stone does a a brilliant job of actually portraying what it would be like to kind of grow up and Mm -hmm. like talk with sophisticated people when you don't know that many words. And so the way that she chooses how to kind of graduate her that that character's learning and, Uh and and speech is really fascinating. And and that yeah. definitely lends part of to to part of the humor and just like the way that she delivers her lines, right. the the you know quickness and just. Well, so on that note, how do you, what do you think of Emma Stone's performance for this movie? Because obviously she got nominated for Best Actress, which mm-hmm. I personally think is deserving. Yes. There's a bunch of variables based around this film that I think is deserving for mm-hmm. her to get at minimum that nomination. Um, but what are, what are your thoughts? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I absolutely think it's it's one of her best roles, one of her best performances. Yeah, of it's her just entire so far career. outside of everything else I've really seen her in. It it truly is. But the it, it's also it's very it's very monstrous in its subtleties. The, yes, the I way agree. that she can is she is in total command of where this character is mm-hmm. in every single you know second of this film. Yeah. It really it tracks well. Like it doesn't feel like she's struggling to kind of keep keep up with the pace, or that yeah. she's struggling with the growth of this character. Like I said, or or you know the way that this character talks feels in line with what you'd imagine. You know, a character basically being reanimated would would do. Right, and it doesn't feel choppy. It doesn't feel all over the place. Yeah, it, it really truly like I feel like she tapped into something else yeah that a lot of people you know strive for and and try to do and and she totally crushed it and she's not just nominated for the uh academy award she's been nominated and basically across the board essentially across the board in in every major and honestly a lot of the minor um awards uh shows or categories and she's already got a couple of wins she's already uh got the golden globe and she's already got the critics choice award for Mm -hmm. best actress so I mean it, that that on top of all of you know like the SAG and the and the um, uh, BAFTA and then yeah. obviously the Academy Award. I mean I think that she's rocketing towards her second Academy Award and yeah and totally. I do think it's very deserved. Yeah, I mean um, upon second viewing of this film uh, prior to this podcast, one of the things that stuck out most to me was um, the early stuff when uh, when she was still in her like child mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of like subtle, intricate, like facial work that she was doing. Like one scene that stuck out to me is when we cut back to her in the dining room and she's smashing plates in front of uh, Miss Prim, mm-hmm. and she's got like this like childish like grin on her face. But then as she like smashes plates, she, like her eyes are like twitching and like like she's like kind of almost flinching towards the fact of like breaking the plates. And right. It's just like, uh, it just looks so believable. Like yes. Um. Even though she's not delivering any lines or anything, I was just like, I, I believed the stages of her mind's age as we moved along. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. And and all I needed again is, is a subtle like reference to you know basically how she can con- 
grow this quickly mm-hmm. or learn this quickly. And it's, you know, just very quick uh, with, um, oh, what's his name? What's what's his character's name? Uh, Godwin? No, no, the young doctor. Young doctor. Oh, Max. Um, McCandless? McCan- yes, that, that Max is just like, oh, yeah, she's, you know, learning at least 15 words a day. A day. Like she's, yeah. and, and her hair's growing and all of this stuff. Like, things are progressing. And, and that's all I need, the little springboard of, mm-hmm. you know, there is a slow progression, but the the little, you know, grins that, that Emma Stone gives and the little, yeah. you know... Uh, the the way that she walks and the way that she kind of slowly starts yeah. like learning how to walk in a more proper human way, yeah, natural way, <laughs> in natural way, exactly. <laughs> like it it it's so in, intricately constructed, uh-huh. and I absolutely was blown away by the second time I saw this because I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't catch all of those little quirks and those all of those little yeah, same. you know tiny tiny expressions mm-hmm. that are so crucial to like seeing this character in it. I don't know. In, in, in for who she is. Yeah. I am curious though, if that were, if that scenario were to happen, if a child like mind mm-hmm. automatically does turn your walking abilities to that level, you know what I mean? That it's yeah, like your right. muscle strength and everything is all, uh, maybe there. I guess it depends on what the body, what happened to the body after the body, kind of like true, like in that initial death. I guess <laughs> right, right. Um, but I'd be yeah, because she was very like her stiff walking the very, entire time in the very beginning, and, very stiff walking. Um, but again, I wonder if that's if that's less the the muscle itself, or if that's just the muscle control, right? And learning like, oh, you know, this is how. It actually works. Yeah, in, in being thrust into a fully functioning body. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I said, I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's the first it's, time I've seen something <laughs> like that. Yeah, uh, or that I can remember seeing something like that, and I think it works, and I feel like it's pretty fairly realistic and fairly like, well, this is you know, this is my take on my idea of what would happen in the, in this kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, How would you take it? The news of you found out that you're in your Say your father's body, right? right. Not a, not well, <laughs> not not gracefully, like not I'd gracefully be, at all. I'd be fucking be weird, yeah. And the I feel like the only reason the character, all the characters are accepting it in this film, is because with all of that, lack of a better term, like grotesqueness that went on, mm-hmm. something new um, is coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. Like like Bella is who Bella is. There was like no other way to replicate that. Right. She is a person now. Right. With us, like with a soul, with a, um, with the ability of like free will. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I mean, quite literally with a mind of can't take that away own. all of a sudden. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I love that every aspect of this film is trying to entrap her and yeah. trying to, you know, squish all of that happiness and all of that curiosity basically out of her. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, and uh, I mean... Uh, but I wonder, I, I mean, going back to your last point, which also kind of rolls into this, I wonder how long um, uh, Godwin had Bella for before he asked Max for, for help. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I don't think be, it was like, you know, the next day or anything. Yeah. I feel like it's got to be at least be a few months. Maybe. It had to be relatively recent, right? Like, because he literally put in a newborn baby's mind into... Um, Emma Stone's character's head, the body, essentially. Right. Um. So I would imagine by the time Max sees 
Bella for the first time, she's, I mean, I would think she's in like age one to probably, I mean, probably age one, give or take. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so about a year and I feel like that, that kind of tracks. I mean, cause the, the scar is fairly healed, you know, um, she's able to start talking basically and not just making sounds and start to yeah. walk so i i think One yeah at the, maybe at the first sign of progression into that way but again she's at, at an accelerated rate so it could be sure. six yeah months, it could have right? been yeah be you're right four, it could have been weeks or months could have been weeks um I, mm. and that's something that i, I kind of wish was explored a little bit or explained explained even again just or it, it, it and they could be in the documents. Like I was going to say, could they could have mentioned it briefly in the documents. Like, oh, wow, she already started speaking within the first few weeks. Right, like, right. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, oh, shit. What was your... <laughs> you were segueing into something else. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> well, all right. So so with the subtle details like that, like um, the production designers were... I mean, let's talk about that real quick. Yes. Because uh, hopefully we can steer back to where you were going. I'm sorry. I was trying to <laughs> no, take that and springboard to the next... Uh, subject um but yeah the the subtleties that that the production designers put into this is again immaculate i i, I love looking at the tapestry and looking at the walls mm-hmm. and looking at the props and like well, the, even the, the giant ceiling. chairs and the ceiling like and, uh yeah the ceilings in the beginning of the house like just have like these weird ass ripples on right and stuff right it's not a standard ceiling <laughs> not at all not at all and like uh the fork has like what is it five or six prongs like all of these little weird things, but it's also like again, kind of lends to this absurd world that we're that we're thrust into. And there's a lot of those, you know, little details like, um, but yeah, I mean, just going on further onto the production design, um, some of it's kind of reminiscent to me of like, say, like Dr. Seuss's world in some ways. Like, like there are all the things we typically see in these worlds, but mm-hmm. they're just slightly different and again quirky like the the buildings the vehicles and things they're all just slightly different in the the terms of what we're not used to seeing right right in and i had caught like like little details they'd they'd snuck in Mm -hmm. um were like the iron gate in paris that like kind of look like sperm basically oh sure there's like sperm and like the penis like the fallacies yes um and then there's also or the phallic symbols yeah i think there was a window that was literally shaped like a penis somewhere in there too. yeah and then like uh the light switches that are shaped like clitorises and and like in in the brothel (laughs) like these little things that kind of are just in there that if you were able to to pick up on or again if it's even a bit more subconscious Uh like you're kind of on taking all of this in and understanding but that shows craftsmanship. That shows a lot of like dedication and work and detail yeah. that you know don't need to be pointed out. Those to me are like cool things to to see mm-hmm. upon reviewing, or if somebody else caught them and say, "Hey, did you did you?" Because that changes or or adds to the complexity or adds to the depth of things. Yeah. Whereas I don't feel like the the characters weren't fleshed out. Mm-hmm. You know, everything kind of made sense. Everything that was. You, you, I feel like everything that that had a question at least had an answer to it. Might not have mm-hmm. been your favorite answer or mm-hmm. you know the politically correct answer, but at least it I think took a stance. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like I'm all over the place with that one. No, I mean, that's cool. Like I I the light switches like you mentioned, mm-hmm. I I didn't notice that this uh either of the times I watched this, so now I want to see it again just to <laughs> right? notice <laughs> even more stuff. But that's what makes it fun. Like it makes a uh, 
it gives these movies rewatchability to find yes. more and more details like that. Yes. That's one thing I've always respected out of Christopher Nolan's movies. Every time I see it, I do learn something mm-hmm. different or new about the way they design this world or shot it or something or other. You're right. Um, it's fucking cool. Exactly. Because it, it, <laughs> it shows, like I said, a level, level of you're in the hands of a true like artist and someone who's yeah. like, just just go with me on this. Just trust me mm-hmm. and it'll be fine. Again, you might not love it, but you have to appreciate the dedication and the detail and the hard work that were put in to yeah. something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, and it... Let's talk costumes. Like the costumes yeah. were uh, designed by the costume designer, um, Holly Waddington. She looked at like what her kids wore and like did mm-hmm. and, and her, their reaction to clothing, mm-hmm. basically. So she's like, you know, if we put Bella into, you know, some kind of pre- like proper dress, right? Yeah. To, to kind of, you know, hint towards that period again. Yeah it would have made sense for that character because kids just rip that shit off mm-hmm. or, you know, they get it dirty or they get it messy or they don't want to wear that. Yeah. So she, she kind of went in that direction. So like, hmm. it, you know, early on when, when we have like the, the full upper body, like elegant, like almost yeah. dress like robe. And then you have like boxers or you have like, sure. you know, un, uh, you know, not, not quite uh, underpants, but I, I yeah. can't think of what those are called, yeah. but you yeah. know, underpants basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And and again, that feels like what a kid would would choose. Right? It's like well, I I want I want this crazy <laughs> flamboyant, amazing, you know, puffy, poofy right. thing. I don't care what happens after that. Yeah. Well, I did. <laughs> well, one thing I've noticed both times I watched this movie was uh how puffy the shoulders on her wardrobes went. Yeah. Like we're slowly got less puffy as yeah. the movie went on yeah <laughs> yeah it, it like got more and more restrained almost yes. or more and more like it reeled in a little bit because <laughs> the puffs in the very beginning were like they were probably higher than her head was yeah. like off of her shoulders <laughs> like they were <laughs> humongous. So they, they designed those to kind of look like lungs as well Ooh, okay. right right huh where uh what was the purpose behind making them look like lungs did i take it you've found this in an article or something uh that it um it 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 just kind of was subliminal subliminal so hmm. uh let me see it it the designer quote unquote really blew up the idea of bodily bodily organs in the clothes hmm. and so the sleeves like huge huge lungs um and it's supposed to have kind of the subliminal effect um and it kind of worked in tandem with the with the production design with aspects of the architecture resembling skin mm-hmm. and tripe and wrinkles of the brain matter so it kind of turns the character inside out yeah. a little bit in a way mm-hmm. i think that that would be the effect that they were going for i don't know i i don't yeah, i didn't I mean, see if, if um holly had had you know said exactly why she wanted to to have that or yeah. or not but again if that's just the aesthetic they went for mm-hmm. i think it worked yeah that's interesting that's like a new way to look at it for sure mm-hmm. um because then i wonder if different locations mean different things for the different parts of the body because like you were saying at the um in paris at the is, is a brothel i mm-hmm. guess yeah um you said that the light switches were like uh like clearest shaped and stuff like right, that right. i wonder if that had more to do with like the sexual organs and stuff like that versus the house in the beginning maybe having more to do with the brain mm-hmm. um i could totally like, that's something that. i would be curious to like put a new perspective on right like like, like think like about ship. that I'd, I'd be wondering what the ship might have been if that was a thing the ship um, is feces and exiting and 
No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Going, moving through the bowels. Moving through. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh God. No. Yeah. I mean it. it and the cool thing is, like, you think about stuff like that, and I don't think that there's necessarily a wrong answer to uh-huh. that. It's it's an open-ended question in that way. Sure. It's like, what what does this mean to you? What you yeah. know? What does this mean to you in the context of this film and of this scene and of this character? Yeah. And I think that that is where the beauty lies in in something hmm. like this. Yeah, that's interesting. Right. Right. Uh, well, I do. Uh, before we move on from production design, what else has this production designer worked on? Out of curiosity, I wonder out. if she's done any other really interesting. I do know designs. that uh, they shot in Budapest. Ooh, okay. So I I do know that they sh- uh, shot on sound stages in Budapest. Like ninety five percent of it was shot in Budapest. Uh-huh. Um, and Corda Studios is the largest sound stage. Uh-huh. So, but what's really cool is, and I'll, I'll look it up here in one second for uh-huh. for what they've worked on. Um, but what was really cool is like, they made it like completely 360. So yeah. like the, when you open up a door, like in Lisbon or something mm-hmm. like into a shop, like there was stuff inside that right. shop. Like it yeah. wasn't just a void. Like most right. productions would just, you know, yeah, have no, the they facade built the entire like, like town, they basically. built everything. Yeah, they said it took so about cool. like a half an hour to walk from one end to the other. Oh, that's so cool. Right. Right. Like, yeah, again, the, the work and the detail. And then she was saying like the one. Uh, the one exterior, like on location shot, like for the forest, like they still went in and like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, lanthimosized it or however, like they they wanted to pronounce that. <laughs> they th- they put like a tree in at like a forty five degree angle and kind of again made it quirky and made yeah. it odd and and huh. you know put it in a in, in such a way that that made it feel like it wasn't quite our reality. Right. So cool. All right, that. so let's. Uh, there were there were two main production designers, James Price and um, Shona Heath, and okay. I mean, it, also they've been nominated for in in several different uh, categories as well, or several different shows for production design. Like they were nominated for the Academy Award for the BAFTA for the. Um, they wish if Golden Globes had it, they would have been there, but they were nominated in the Critics' Choice Awards. Uh-huh. Um, like they're very well recognized and I hope that it, you know, yeah. actually comes, comes to fruition for them. Cause I think they deserve it. Yeah, man. I'm looking at the list of the art department. Yeah. It's fucking huge. There's a lot of people. It's enormous. Um, but yeah, so James Price has worked on a lot of, things that you probably wouldn't have heard of okay. uh and as like the art director okay so yeah there's there's which a do you i remember learning it in film school but i've heard different things over the years do you know what the difference is between an art director and a production designer i've used them i've heard them used interchangeably i want to say i do like but I remember now I, being asked, I'm not sure that I do. Like a production designer, I think, like kind of looks at the space and goes, "All right, this is what we need to change and to do and to mm-hmm. you know make up." Yeah. Versus an art director is more like the kind of colors and the aesthetic and the overall mm-hmm. like uh, even as slow. I think even like what goes on the walls and like yeah. kind of like the choice of. 
I, I think they do work mm. kind of hand in hand, but like the yeah. choice of like props and the and the choice of. Because I guess I'll say this: I'm not going to point out which schools taught me what things, but <laughs> um, <laughs> early film school, one of the first schools I went to, they. I remember them referring, they didn't refer to production designers really. And they were just like, it's art direction. The art director is the one working with the, the set and the props and the wardrobe mm. and everything. So then I took that as like the, basically the director of anything in those realms. Mm-hmm. And then I went to another film school and then they started referring to it all as production design. Mm-hmm. And the production designer is that same person. And then I take the every, every year for the Oscars and the Academy Awards, they, refer to it as basically world building these people to built and design the world sure, right so sure. then i take production design as basically the directors of the art and sets and props and wardrobes and everything you see and in, in this world um, yeah that's, so that's where i'm currently at is where i'm like the production designer is basically the director of all of that yeah i i'd agree with you that okay. that's kind of what i would uh say as well okay um because then i th- I would take it that maybe art directors maybe you have a couple of them work maybe there's an art director that focus specifically on paris or um london or something sure. like and they worked on those designs with the production des- like the with the production designer overseeing everything that they're doing that's kind of where i'm at currently in my life <laughs> viewing this uh <laughs> chain of command <laughs> um, i could be wrong <laughs> possibly I, I mean, so I, I, I wish I knew exactly. I really, really honestly do. Uh-huh. All I can say is, as far as what IMDb has, they've got the production design first, then yes. the art direction. Uh-huh. And in the art direction, they've got like the senior art director, uh-huh. they've got the supervising, and then they've got the set deck art director. Uh-huh. So if set deck is in art direction, then I think production design is like the overall... right. Yeah, like you said, kind of creation of yeah. lack of a better term, the director overseeing all of the art, like right. for the sets well, so and- so like the exteriors and kind of like the architect. Let's say basically the production design, I think, is like the architect. Uh-huh. So to des- literally like design like what it's going to look like, mm-hmm. but then what gets filled in is the art direction, the mm. art direction. Mm-hmm how it's going to be colored, how, you know, things might get, you know, shaped. But, do you, but how... do you think the production designers are getting to choose those color palettes and let them know that? I think so. I think okay. I think they kind of yeah. set, I think they set the tone or be like, this is kind of how I feel it should look, uh-huh. what it should feel like, what yeah. it should kind of give the... Like I, like, I still get the idea that they can come in after the art director's done a lot of their work and all that crew's done their work and be like, mm, let's change this. I like everything else, though. Like, I feel like they have that authority, probably, I think so. right? Yeah. I would assume so, yeah. I would okay. assume so. Uh, I mean, I think the ultimate th- authority obviously goes to the director. Sure, sure, sure. But then it's that, it is, it's kind of that handoff, right? It's yeah. that, that, hey, I trust you to go and do this. And, yeah, and totally. as far as from what I read is that, that Yorgos kind of did do that, is, hey, you, you figure it out. Yeah. I trust you completely, uh, so enjoy your freedom yeah. and come back with something great come back yeah. with something bizarre come back with something weird yeah well i i forget where i heard this but i heard someone that's a direct uh, a director um maybe newer right but he had like a a big like hollywood budget film that he did and i feel like i read an article that said that he said directing is easy just as long as you have everyone, like you surround yourself with everyone that knows what the hell they're doing, <laughs> you just basically have to have some sort of idea 
and then they'll just take off and make things happen and mm-hmm. it's going to be badass. Cool. Like, uh, uh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, for, <laughs> I really wish I remember where that came from or who said that. Right, but, who exactly that was. Um, but I mean, I can totally see that happening. I mean, I've worked with uh, people where like some people you can just let do their thing. Like uh, at least when I've done lighting for different, like, say cinematographers for projects, most of the ones that I work for, they don't typically have an overall exact plan of how they want something lit so they'll defer to me to kind of create that lighting plan which is fine i'm just (laughs) i'm just on the opposite end of where lighting really intrigues me so when i am a cinematographer for projects i'm that cinematographer that has an overhead and i'm like if i see the location and i'm scouting a location i'm like oh yeah i want the moonlight and this kind of color coming through here with this kind of light fixture and then we're going to throw some like practicals around these areas like i have that design in my head Mm -hmm. whereas some other like DPs will kind of leave it up to the gaffer to kind of put input their creative freedom right, on it. Right. Um, so I guess it just depends. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Hooray collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> Different flavors of. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm wondering how you would have shot this and kind of looked, looked at everything for many reasons, of course. Yeah. Uh, but well, also because like, there's a lot of, uh, it, it, it's all supposed to at least feel like it's uh, not natural light, but, shot like or very natural naturalist mm-hmm. looking yeah and kind of in the same way uh that we were talking about something else that <laughs> i see too many things that's it's starting to get to get to be a problem i can't remember what's what um where we we're talking about something that was like no you know we want where what wherever we are on the set mm-hmm. i want it to be to feel real and if they want to move in one direction it might have even been joker if he mm-hmm. wants to move in one direction right it's okay because oh, we're gonna yes. capture it it right? was joker yeah so like they gave like they were basically lighting the scenes to give walking phoenix the like flexibility to do whatever he wants in the space right essentially right yeah um but yeah, so so they use things like um, underfloor lighting mm-hmm. to, and and the reason why was to quote unquote give uh, the space a strange, slightly UV feeling, hmm. right? Okay. So, uh, Yorgos didn't want want to to deal with like again having to be pinned into one tiny little part of the set or pa- sure. tiny one part of of where wherever they were, yeah. and kind of also why uh, like like places like Lisbon were fleshed out entirely so yeah. that. Emma Stone could go and literally get lost on mm-hmm. set and be yeah. like, well, I'm just going to go and explore and kind yeah. of find out. And there wasn't one designated path. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm kind of curious about how you feel about like things like underfloor lighting or like the lamps providing, you know, all of the source light for, for something. And, and yeah. it wasn't necessarily, again, all perfectly staged. Right. But it well, was so, more like a stage, like theatrical play. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the project, right? Like a, I do personally, I love the idea of getting, I love the idea of getting lights like in the set and uh, everything just pre lit and done mm-hmm. that way the actor can do their thing. Cause then that's less changes we have to make while shooting. Sure. Um, granted, I've also been on some sets where we are mostly in tighter shots. So then sometimes I'll be moving those lights around to perfect that look for that specific angle and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And also with like, say practicals, if the camera can handle a practical lighting it and making it look dramatic in this certain way that we're looking for, I fucking love it. It's great. <laughs> it just depends. Um, sure. But I do love the freedom myself as like a camera operator of 
everything just be like all the lights being flown and just in place and out of shot already anyways so that way i as a camera op can roam around as well mm-hmm. um without worrying about getting in in the way and casting a shadow or something um i do like that feeling yeah <laughs> as far as it's far, gotta be incredibly free yeah and as far as um uh lighting from the floor and stuff like that i mean that's a pretty unique look for sure in its own right um i don't I haven't ran into a situation where I feel like I would have needed that myself yet, but I can see for something like this, it's so unique already. It it feels like it fits in this really odd world already anyways. Sure. Um, That being said, one of the interesting things I felt um, or that I noticed was that it almost, there's a lot of things technical wise that felt Wes Anderson like to me. In terms of like, I can totally see. It was like you know, really wide. Like I mean, they went even wider than Wes Anderson goes. They went like full on fisheye for a lot of this. But then there's like those little quick pans over to the other characters and then back to the other characters, Mm -hmm. as well as um, uh, specifically on the cruise ship, I noticed it, and and probably in uh, Libin, Libin, right? Lisbon, Lisbon. Mm -hmm. I knew I was saying it wrong. Uh, (laughs) So close. Yeah, in Lisbon, at least those um the colors felt like pastel like to me, yeah. but they weren't, they was more contrasty than say Wes Anderson's looks. Wes Anderson's looks are like pastel colors, but they kind of have like a softer look to them and like smoother. Grady- almost. Yeah. These, this, this movie felt like more contrasty. There were some darker shadows mm-hmm. and things going on. Mm-hmm. Just super interesting. Um, and then out of curiosity, just talking about color and look and stuff, did you notice in the movie when they switched from black and white to color? I did. It was, okay. Well, shoot. I, you it you felt, saw most. It feels so very I, intentional. Like it, I, I noticed it. Felt it. Very intentional. Um, and I'm trying to think because because I saw this Thursday. We're recording uh-huh. on a Saturday. I saw this Thursday. You saw this yesterday, Friday, yesterday so night. You, so you, yeah. So you're like really fresh. <laughs> I on was this. looking for it too, though. I was like, I knew there was color in this film, and then mm-hmm. it started black and white. And I was like, okay, actually, I need, it I need started to in color. It did started. It? Oh, yeah. it sure did. Mm-hmm. You're right on mm-hmm. the bridge, but You're then right. quickly shifted back over yes. to, to black and white. So I, if I'm remembering correctly, it was black and white for all of inside the house, and then because she's up on the balcony as well, that's black and white. Mm-hmm. Is it the first time we're actually outside? Mm, not necessarily outside. Okay, it's the first time. It's when she officially leaves the house to go on her adventures with uh mark ruffalo's character are the are the scenes where we're outside like in the carriage and having a picnic are those black black and white white. yeah oh shit i totally so yeah okay so it is Mm -hmm. it's 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 when the adventure starts yes because she's still trapped in that world with uh um with godwin Mm -hmm. and like even though they took her out but she was still trapped right Mm -hmm. so like as soon as she left that bubble that's when it like clicked into color sure and i mean the first shot is her Having sex with Mark Ruffalo. Of course, character. of course, it is. <laughs> <laughs> while they're in Lisbon. <laughs> so, I'm not like it was literally just a hard cut from black and white to, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Them basically, sp- yeah, having sex and and that's in color and yeah, yeah. This whole world is opened up to a whole new thing, which is, was also very reminiscent to me of like say the Wizard of Oz, the way that started black and white, mm-hmm. and as soon as her adventure starts, it turns into that pure color, it's color. and everything and create like she's in this whole new world and yeah, um, just starting to explore it and learn new things. Ooh. So Ooh, I like that I, comparison. Yeah. I like yeah. that comparison a lot because it is, it really is the grand adventure and, and, and seeking the unknown and, mm-hmm. and exploring and, and adventure and, you know, 
finding what's out there, basically. Yeah. Um, a couple other things about color before we get into the other subjects uh, <laughs> about color is like, did you notice like the trees are kind of painted red, like uh, around in some i think it's paris is where it was again kind of like trying to look like lungs and Mm. and yeah see i didn't uh i I wasn't noticing a lot of that stuff this last round so i definitely need to right that's a new perspective i need it's a whole other layer like you're kind of trying to look for so cool um but so so what uh waddington the the um wardrobe um Specialist, specialist. <laughs> I mean, they're specialists in their yes. own, right? Anyway, so what, what she uh, had, had talked about with, uh, at least for, for Bella's wardrobe uh, during her uh, world travels, um, uh-huh. is when, when they put her in yellow. She, they, this is a quote. Yeah, yellow is a color of madness and the color mm. of joy. Uh, I'd read uh, somewhere when I was a student that yellow and black together are nature's warning colors. Sure. And she thought that it would be quite interesting uh, an interesting thing to explore with Bella. Hmm. So yellow and black as in like a warning and a caution, but also again with that added like joy and also kind of madness. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of subtleties and a what lot parts of... Are, is she particularly in black and yellow? In black and yellow is so... Do you trying remember? to think of the actual black and yellow or if uh-huh. it's like I remember the, a lot of yellow a lot of yellow think of a lot the of the softer blue but then she's in black I know I know they're in black when um they before she leaves the brothel I know she's in a lot of black costumes yes. in that so I'm not sure exactly I know I'm trying to think of the black and yellow combination right when they're I felt together. like maybe the cruise ship but I I can't remember for certain so exactly, so yeah. So I, yeah. I'm trying to think of when exactly it was, or if that was just again, yellow and black, like in nature, are the warning. So we're sure. going to put oh, her in yellow, okay. and we're going to put her in black, and and it wasn't at the same time. Okay, but it's huh. kind of playing on that. Yeah. Possibly can. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. So sex. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, how's your sex life? Uh, not as uh, not as crazy as this movies (laughs) there's a lot going on in this movie like there's a lot of sex um there's a lot i want to say like two-thirds of the movie is based around sex in some way or another Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i would like to point out speaking of the movie as a whole they almost broke it up into chapters based Mm -hmm. on the location she was going Mm -hmm. what do you think the there's a couple that i remember off the top of my head but there's those in, uh, transitional shots that are very like artistic uh, and like abstract. One of them, she's like riding a fish, and then another one, she's like jumping off of a hand onto mm-hmm. like the thumb or something like mm-hmm. that. Do you know what any of these mean? Like, I, have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything. I haven't <laughs> looked it up. I haven't I, seen anything like explained. Just, <laughs> That's definitely a question of mine. It's like, do these actually like mean something? I would think so, right? Because like, it. Uh, it, they're it, so abstract like right I, I they're just, so abstract that they've got to have meaning but maybe again that's <laughs> the whole point is that they're so abstract that they don't have meaning don't apply it because it just looks cool it's yeah i mean they, it's they just remind me of those like older like maybe renaissance paintings of like uh trying to like think of an example what's the uh, one of the classic ones where there's the i think it's like a redhead lady on like oh, and the clamshell or something like that standing hmm. there i'm forgetting the name of I'm sure I've seen what you're talking about, but I, know, I, can't, I can't visualize it. But it, it, again, maybe is, hey, put your own meaning to it. What do you think it means? And there isn't really a necessarily a reason behind anything or anything in, in that regard. And because the world is chaos and because 
you know, chaos reigns supreme that nothing technically matters. And that's part of the appeal of it. I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm grasping at straws here. I'm reaching because yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those, again, I feel like doesn't have a concrete answer. So you could apply anything to it and it would make sense. Like she's riding the fish, right? She's riding on something towards, you know, her destination. Moving, moving past the the unknown that we're not really sure about, not really sure um, of. But again, I I want and I want <laughs> if I could see all of the title cards uh-huh. or the transition cards or whatever. That's the thing. I, I'm not sure what to call them, and I think that's yeah. why Google does isn't helpful here because right. I don't know exactly. <laughs> but I guess they are transition cards, transitions. Yeah, in between worlds. Mm-hmm. If I could see them, I could probably tell you, hey, this is my interpretation sure. of what where I think we are and what yeah. it means. Mm-hmm. But without seeing them, that's where I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm even this sure. time I knew they were coming and I was just like, uh, I looked at them and I was like, yeah, I still don't, don't really get these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's why I bring it up. Sure. But um, speaking of other unknowns that I like, don't quite understand. Um, did you notice that this whole entire movie was in four, three aspect ratio? Is it really? It is. I did not realize yeah, that. Yeah. So I'm curious what you think about that. Like, what do you, what's, some people in the film community and filmmaking and stuff like that have different opinions about four, three aspect ratio. <laughs> so I'm curious to hear what your opinions are on it. I don't love it okay. because <laughs> only because I like to see as much as possible. Sure. I like, I like the wide, I like the cinematic, um, uh, what is, what is, is it one, two, one, one, two, four. Um, it, for what, uh, like, like standard? Yeah, standard. Standard, but these days it's 16 by 9. Or 16 by 9, sure. right? Like, yeah. like uh, you know, I, I like seeing a big, wide image, basically, yeah. and, and fill up the frame, mm-hmm. uh, the, the screen, or, right, the, the, the TV screen or, or the, the movie sure. screen, uh, fill it up with as much detail as possible, because okay. that, again, I just like seeing stuff. Sure. Especially for things like, like this world, yeah. where there's so much to see. Right. Well, it's interesting that you didn't notice it. I didn't then. notice yeah. it. I, I guess I would have. But they do hide it kind of. So there's some of those. I would have uh, enjoyed seeing more. They do vignette the images quite a bit. Like where it's like that, um, say, fisheye lenses mm-hmm. where you just see the circle, but then the rest of it kind of falls off to black. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of blends it away so that you're not really getting the sense that there's a for like those. Uh, Missing image, basically. Yeah, on the edge, the yeah. left and right edges. Um but yeah, no, the entire movie's in four three, which I I'm still don't quite understand myself. Like I could, for me in my head, sometimes I like to, I don't use four three very often. But when I do, I like it to be very intentional. In which case, I would have used it in conjunction personally with the black and white portion of the film to where it feels like you're being compressed into this space. Sure. And then once it goes and transitions to color mm-hmm. i would have gone 16 by 9 to make it feel like this world opened up a bit and more. open it all up exactly um, that's how i kind of like to use aspect ratios mm-hmm. if i do mm-hmm. um and yeah that would have felt like a perfect choice so what do you think about the choice to to remain in four three because like you said you caught it i did not yeah and see i still don't quite understand why they did it some and i the reason i've asked what your opinion is because some people think it's like uh artsy kind of sometimes pretentious way just to make it mm-hmm. feel artsy kind of thing <laughs> um 16 mil yeah yeah I, I, I personally i don't care much for four three unless it's like i can think of a pers- purposeful way to really use it because mm-hmm. like uh again another example i really liked was the whale um was a four three film all the way through mm-hmm. but i liked it because it felt like with the compression of the edges it made it feel like um oh uh i'm blank 
blanking on his name right Brendan now. Brendan Fraser? Yes. I don't know why I'm blanking on it. Gotcha. Uh, sorry, Matt. Uh, Bre- <laughs> <laughs> Brendan- Fraser. Yeah. Brendan Fraser's uh, character filled the frame more. It made him feel even larger in the frame. Mm-hmm. It um, did. Is the way I interpreted it, them using 4-3 in that movie. So... Yeah, this one in particular, I'm not quite sure what the reason for it was. Right. And see, those are the kind of questions that I I don't even think to to ask. If I had the chance to, those are the kind of questions I would want to ask. It's Mm -hmm. like, you have the choice, right? You're not constrained to... You you know, back in 1970, like you really only have like an eight or a 16 millimeter when you're starting out, right? When you're low budget, when you you know are are newer. I mean, even when you're more seasoned, like sometimes again, monetarily, you're constrained Mm -hmm. into certain things. But now you've got a choice, right? You have the world at your disposal. Yeah. Why do you choose this? Like there, there is a reason. There is an intention. Uh Like those are the kind of things I want a true, honest reason, And and just. Eh, we liked it. Eh, it was yeah. cool. It's like it's that might be the case, but it's right. so unsatisfying. Yeah, but also in their defense, the the other thing that jumps to my mind that could be a possibility is it felt like they've used very old lenses and things on this movie. Mm-hmm. So paired with older lenses, the image circle might not cover the entire sensor frame mm-hmm. if they were shooting digitally. So they might they might have had like a dark like a black vignette the entire time they were shooting, anyways. So they were like maybe they were just like maybe we should just put this in four three just to cut off the dead space anyways because mm-hmm. um, some of those lens flares in the very beginning at the house and stuff looked very old retro lens to me um i don't know what they shot up with off the top of my head the only thing that but, i that i saw i mean quickly about camera stuff is that they shot um for when bella is getting reanimated uh-huh. they shot with it with an old vista vision camera okay and it was mounted over her head uh-huh. uh that kind of created the jarring effect right yeah. Um, but then uh, the cinematographer Robbie Ryan uh, talks about how it wasn't the camera that camera itself wasn't quote unquote shoot friendly. Yeah, because uh, the <laughs> batteries were kind of faulty. Uh. So like as the camera was running out of battery power, like the film was going through more slowly, which kind of sped sped up the image. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so Emma Stone actually opened her eyes like normally, but then it created the effect. Like she just like, like they, twitched they, them open right, or something. Basically, yeah, yeah, burst open. Interesting. And so it's like a happy mistake in that kind of way. Uh, so <laughs> they're I, like, no, that was on purpose. Yeah, right, we exactly. did that on purpose. <laughs> we used faulty batteries on purpose, actually, exactly. for art. <laughs> for, for art. For art. But I love those no, honest answers, cool. right? Yes. Those honest, because again, that that to me is really, really cool. You were going for a certain aesthetic, but then something kind of went wrong, and you weren't able to control it, and then you got an even weirder, cooler, you know, product out of it. Yeah, totally. And so again, why did you choose the certain camera? Why did you choose the certain location? Why did you choose the certain X, Y, or Z? And it just is so awesome that a lot of times, at least for for this film, have an answer to it. It feels like at least they, they have an answer to why. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm looking through to find the technical... Technical, technical, technical. Because I am curious now what yeah. they actually shot with. I mean, but yeah, I, I definitely caught, you know, those fisheye lenses. And, and I loved, let me see if I wrote down actually when. Well, so what uh, I have in my head, why why, why do you think they used um, fisheye lenses? So the fisheye felt like we were peering in on something we shouldn't have been have been looking at. Like Agreed. we were. They have the peephole effect. Yes. That's the what peephole. I that's, uh, thought. That's perfect. The entire time. A perfect way to look at it is, is we're, and, and a lot of the times I feel like this, the fisheye was 
kind of back. They were the it was the wider shot. Like we weren't mm-hmm. necessarily in and up close, which also lent to again kind of like peering in on on a scene that we weren't privy to the information. We weren't supposed to be there. Um that's that's what it what it felt like to me at least. Yeah, no, I agree. Like uh ex- like same exact thing for sure. It put us into the perspective that we're not we're peering in from an outside perspective mm-hmm. on this this person's life. Mm-hmm. Um did you find any uh, technical specs? I did. So Yay. let's see. I mean, I can. Li- seems like they used a plethora of different things going on. <laughs> but um, it looks like, as far as what they have listed under cameras, an Arikaim LT, which I'm not particularly familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a feeling it's an older styled Ari camera. And then, I mean, they used a ton of different lenses here. Like, uh, it says they have listed Zeiss Ultra Prime. Master Zoom, Nikon Nikkor lenses, which I think those are like uh, Nikon's like photo lenses. Okay. Um, they use some Ingenue Optimos. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean they went all over the place. Zeiss, Ingenue, Nikon, um, Optics, Super Cines. Um, oh, and they're, they're they do have listed that Beaumont Vista Vision camera. Oh, that's super interesting. And I guess the aspect ratio, um, they don't have it listed as four three. It's one point six six to one. Oh, which, well, let me let me do the let's, oh. see, let's see what the math is. Uh-oh. What is four by divided by three? Let's see. One point six six. I know, right? That's well, that that would weird. That would kind of annoy the shit out of me if if that's how they listed it. So one okay. So four three is. Technically a one point three three. Okay, so it's just a ratio. little bit wider than a four just three. A slight bit wider. Yeah. Not that's a, not interesting. a true four three. Interesting. And that's probably probably because for the fisheye effect, right? Probably so so that they could get like the whole rounded out edge. Yeah, but the, the fisheye fish eyes are usually I mean, some of the fisheye shots that they had for sure were like you'd see the entire circle within the dark, like blackness of the entire rectangular frame that we have. That's interesting. I wonder why 1.66. I don't know. Yeah. Couldn't tell That's you. weird. That's weird. <laughs> Again, a question that I'd love to to be able to ask. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you think of, of the score? Because I want to, yeah. I'm curious to know your thoughts about yeah. how strange this <laughs> yeah. one was. I mean, the strangeness was definitely on point for a lot of portions of this movie, especially mm-hmm. at the beginning. Um like there's one part in the very beginning when uh, those little like boing sounds like go right, and it like transitions into Bella and Godwin having like breakfast or something uh, like just at the dining room table, mm-hmm. and it transitions into that to a point where like Bella's like also like making some noise on beat with the song or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the weirdness of it fit well. There are some parts where I think. I think it was in um, Alexandria. Alexandria? Yeah. As I said that, I was like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> I was like looking at the letters in my head and I was like, I don't remember the I, but it has to be Alexandria. Um, it has when, to be. It has to be. Uh, in Alexandria, though, when she has the epiphany of that the world is dark and everything like that, the score was very loud and almost overbearing. Oh, really? At least for the last screening I was in, um, it felt almost over, like it felt a bit over the top to the extent of where I was like, wow, that's loud. Okay. Um, 
I don't know if that was that particular mix for that screening that I was at. Um, but otherwise, it felt like it fit for the most part. Like mm-hmm. it felt like a lot of everything fit. It didn't feel like something I'd I'd listen to like by itself necessarily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So it's definitely like goes hand in hand with the image and with everything. Yeah. But it totally, in my opinion, it fit and it works completely for it quirkiness and for the oddity mm-hmm. and for yeah that whoop kind of sound yeah. like that that I don't know like um, droplet sound almost that's kind of the best way I feel like I can yeah. put it is like it just sounds like a water it's the droplet. little twang that like changes in tone yes um, yeah as it goes on longer the twang. Um, yeah, it totally just felt odd and and bizarre. Yeah. And so I found it very interesting that, uh, Yorgos had never worked with a composer before. Uh, and so the, the composer jerks and, uh, Fendrix had never worked on a film score as well. So, right. So you get like these two kind of like, Hey, I want to try this collaboration and I, Hey, I've never done this medium before. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, Fendrix had had you know relied on like woodwinds and pipe organs and bagpipes, and so like uh-huh. it felt again like you're going into this unconventional bag of tricks that you would mm-hmm. have, and giving it to somebody who doesn't know the conventional right way to to score a film, and I think that was a smart choice. <laughs> I really do, yeah. Because it did it, it. I think it needed exactly that. That if it, it everything was exactly on beat and everything was a hundred like if you give it to a john williams and it it just it wouldn't have worked in the same way sure i don't think yeah i mean it's a very non-traditional kind of musical score mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's not like an epic it's a i don't know it was very nuanced to this film mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's so interesting i wonder how that that composer is gonna do if someone asks him to do say an action movie he's gonna be like <laughs> Can I add some of these sounds in there well, I only know how to. <laughs> <laughs> the car blows up. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. So I wanna I wanna ask you uh, about the story itself, Ooh. the plot and the story, and kind of your initial reactions, and then and then if anything changed um, this second viewing, and what your overall thoughts were. Yeah, I mean, the my overall thoughts are kind of what I mentioned earlier. I feel like it's a a coming of age story in an excel like an excel in an accelerated way from a child like mindset all the way up to uh adulthood and like becoming a woman and empowered and everything like that and being comfortable with who you are um i do like that scene that like growth of that character through the entire thing mm-hmm. um yeah i know the story kind of just puts out there a lot of variables of just of what it's like to be alive. Um, and it, I feel like it just works well with this film. Like I felt like it was solid. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I echo a lot of the same things you said. Um, I feel like this is very empowering. I feel like this mm-hmm. is very, an, an interesting, um, basically following this person's like life progression, mm-hmm. but it is, I thought very empowering and very much um, a feminist movie of, mm-hmm. You can make your own choices. Don't let yeah. uh, don't let other people tell you who you are or what you are yeah. or why you should be this way. Uh, and I loved part of part of the reason why I loved Emma Stone's performance is there's so much there there's so little shame. There's mm-hmm. almost no shame in anything she does. Yeah. And I mean, almost no. I, honestly, there might not be any shame. Mm-hmm. There's just 
a mix of curiosity. Yeah. And I love that, like, no matter what it is, don't be ashamed of who you are or what you're doing, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, having sex, pleasuring yourself, who you like, who you don't, who you don't like, uh, speaking up, you know, speaking your mind. Yeah. Uh, again, kind of a very childlike way of experiencing the world of yeah, for what it is. I don't exactly. I don't have a filter. I don't know anything but my truth. Uh, anything yeah. but my own opinion on this thing. Right? Why keep it in my mouth if it's revolting? Right? Yeah. I'm gonna go punch that baby. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like again, yeah. hilarious. But at uh-huh. the same time, that's your gut reaction. That is your initial yeah. feeling. Right? That's a, that's an unfiltered view of whatever circumstance there is. Mm-hmm. And and it's very logical as well uh-huh. in, in that kind of way. Every time I see that scene where <laughs> she says she's going to go punch that baby, I I think of Max, who's been on the podcast uh-huh. with us. He 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 doesn't typically like kids around <laughs> when they're being annoying and shit like that. So I could, I think so that was I think Max. he'd like that scene. <laughs> He's like he'd just applaud. He'd be like, "Yep, yep." <laughs> no, I wanted to see a baby punched. Oh, oh, poor yeah. poor us for not getting to see a punched baby. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah no and then i think uh on top of that well everything you just said it's interesting to put into perspective into perspective now that mark ruffalo's character is very much a very real possibility of like what it, um like men can be like in this world like they can start off like feeling like uh that really exciting adventurous person and nice and whatever mm-hmm. and then transition into um, I don't know a person that c- feels like they're trying to trap you and mm-hmm. uh, make you theirs and mm-hmm. things. Um, it can tra- like I've heard of people in relationships that th- things turn out that way. And then there's also the general, which is like he's just that intrinsically kind of bad person. Sure. sure. Um, with like kind of cruel views on not even the world. Just he's just cruel. He's just cruel. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> that is just his nature. Yeah. Um. So I, I I wish that I would uh, have been able to read the book before the podcast, of course, but just even like concurrently mm-hmm. with the movie or right after the movie mm-hmm. to see what, again, how it was a- adapted and what they kept and what they didn't. So I'm really glad that I found uh, an interview with Tony McNamara, the screenwriter, mm-hmm. where uh, he kind of talked about how in the novel, it's really about how the men around Bella tell Bella's story. Mm-hmm. And then like it, it, like 700 pages later, she gets to tell her own story for like two pages, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, you know, nothing. It, it, what she says is has nothing to do with what the what the men basically just told you for the entire book. Right. And, and that is an amazing distinction and something that you're able to pick out and go, wait a second. Let's tell it from this character's perspective. Let's let's mm-hmm. put her in the center of the movie and let everybody else react to her and, and how they feel about it and not, you know, her reactions or, or, you know, how the world is oppressing her, but how she's not allowing the world to stick her in that box, basically. Right. And I mean, uh, speaking on that subject a little bit. So uh, who's the author for the, bu- the book that this is? Um, that is a fantastic question um yeah i, I don't know offhand oh, um i'm just curious i might have to pull up a link real quick. i mean on imdb they have the writers um listed as tony mcnamara mm-hmm. mcnamara Mac, yeah how do you say it damn i'm having a map i'm using <laughs> matt's mic and now i'm having matt moments <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then uh alice dare gray that's it alice dare gray okay 
I was afraid Alistair to say that Gray? name. Uh, a novelist. He wrote books. Okay. So, <laughs> so in that regard, the, uh, the original author is a male and then the director is a male. How do you think they did with portraying this more women empowerment feministic sort of point of view i i think it it was done really well and i think it was done in in a way that kind of alluded to hey i i recognize that this is the world Mm -hmm. but also said hey maybe this shouldn't quite be the world and it's okay to kind of you know it's okay no matter what it is no matter what you want to be or do or think that's all right yeah and I think that was an interesting stance on it, but it, I do also recognize that it is. It's a bunch of guys mm-hmm. saying, hey, this is how a woman feels. Right. This is how, a, you know, somebody should act. Right. Well, I think they I think they do it. With, this goes back to Barbie as well. Barbie's a little more blunt about it, but I think um, something Greta Gerwig and Yorgos Lanthimos Mm-hmm. I that they did as well as like the original authors and writers and stuff like that. I think they portrayed this empowering and feministic point of these point of views tastefully in the sense of it's not just a men suck kind of point of view. It's just uh, they more do it in a way that's this is how the world kind of is way. Mm-hmm. And and let's give you a bunch of different characters and a bunch of different ways that yeah, men just, and women can be. Yeah. Like, it just is, feels more realistic versus just being like, like overall women are awesome. Men suck kind of thing. Yes. yes. Which I, uh, I appreciate that they're able to do tastefully. Yes. I, I think it was done very tastefully as well. That's, mm-hmm. that's absolutely. Um, another thing is, is I saw Lanthimos kind of talk about this. Um, that he recognized himself like as a man in a lot of the male characters that that were in this mm-hmm. um and he mm. said he he felt like it was important to acknowledge the role that males have had yeah. kind of playing in constructing the monstrous society that we live in and so again you kind of i felt like i could kind of understand where he's coming from and kind of see that in the characters and in the world and in the adventure basically and and kind of how you know, a lot of what "quote unquote" polite society is expects you to do. Bella doesn't understand how that you're supposed to act because you're basically in in a, in a lot of the same ways that that uh, the America Forever monologue was in Barbie. Like you're supposed to be 37 different things at the same time, right? And you're supposed to try and appease everybody and never like really think about yourself and never put yourself forward or or, or first. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I definitely sure. do. Um, so what? How did you feel about the sex scenes being in a, as much of the movie as it was? And did you feel like they were necessary in in the amount of like? It, I feel like it was very gratuitous. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if you feel felt the same or felt any different about those scenes. I mean, I think it was fine. Like uh, if this movie wasn't as quirky as it was already, I feel like some things would have maybe felt like a little over the top or mm-hmm. weird, but this movie was just weird. So I think it fit in just fine. Um, and if actually fit into the story and messages, overall messages as well about mm-hmm. just being yourself and being comfortable with who you are. Um, but there was a lot. I, I mean, there is also, it, <laughs> there was a lot, there was um, a lot. And I mean, even in conjunction with that, it's interesting to put into perspective that, um, since we're getting close to award season with the Oscars, um, 
last year's best fit picture was everything everywhere all at once with a 24 yes, that was an ambitious choice on the academy because they i don't feel like they typically go for the movie that surrounds itself with butt plugs and like <laughs> uh, get it, some someone getting killed by a huge dildo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then of course it's a24 as well here they are again with something that's just like outside the box quirky and interesting with a good overall story right that has heart to it that has yes. meaning but it, it, it that is it, it, it's got levity because of the sex scenes and because of the comedy and because of the i mean in the same way that everything ever was like it's got a lot of of fun, like, you know, quirky, interesting, off-the-cuff, outlandish parts. Yeah. But there is a story. There is a message. There is a statement underneath all of Mm -hmm. that and inside of that. And that's what's important, Mm -hmm. is you can do all of this zany, outlandish, you know, kind of crazy worlds and and have all these wonderful characters and all of this, you know, absurdity that, that is kind of just spilling out around as long as that central theme is still there and that central message is still strong enough mm-hmm. to say, okay, that was fun, but also, you know, did did you get yeah. what I was doing with all of that? Right. Like, and I'm I mean, not that's... just doing it just to do it. I'm doing that for effect. Yeah. And that's the point of these movies and stories, right? Like movies are a combination of entertainment as well as storytelling. Sure. Right? Like I go to movies, like they, they, they kind of like out balance each other sometimes sometimes i go to see movies like transformers for more of the just entertaining flashy explosions point mm-hmm. of view versus the story and then there's some other ones that the story is in uh heightened like let's say i think a good example would be the whale where the story is heightened but it's a very simple like more simpler visualistic film yes. or anatomy of a fall is another example of that as yes, well yes absolutely um, i go to see different ones for those different attributes um, and, I, and I think I, I feel like I'm doing a better job, at least uh, lately, of <laughs> of not knocking something for what it's not, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. for exactly that, of you know, Transformers doesn't have a great plot. It's not mm-hmm. got great character development. Yeah. It's not, but it's fun and it's yeah. good to look at and it's entertaining. Yeah. And and so you kind of have to look at those qualities. Whereas something like Poor Things, I think, like you said, is a is a really interesting mix of yep. both of those of yeah. being entertaining, but also kind of being amazing world building and right. having you know great characters and yeah. these these and that's deep where, interesting people. That's where I feel like A twenty four has been excelling within recent years. Like everything, everywhere, all at once was a a heightened mix of both of those. Like the story was very compelling mm-hmm. with these characters and their relationships, as well as a quirky as fuck movie with multiversal elements to it mm-hmm. um and like that that being said do you think a24 is on a track as far like this is me asking you a bit of a prediction since i i'm i don't recall the lists entirely but i am sure poor things has been nominated for a best picture it has been um it has been what is your opinions because this one this one is kind of stacked right like the the heavy hitters oppenheimer of course is in there i'm sure as well as i'm pretty sure anatomy of a fall is yep um you're correct all on both of those i I don't remember barbie is it is okay good i'm glad to hear that four out of ten you want to you want to keep going you want to try i don't know if i've (laughs) seen all of them but like i have a feeling that there's a couple that i haven't seen but i have a feeling just based on other nominations i feel like the holdovers is in best picture. Yes, it is. I feel like uh, what's the one with um, Bradley Cooper in it? Maestro. Maestro. I have a feeling that's in there as well. Yes, it is. Uh, I 
haven't seen either of those though. Shame. Um, <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm catching up. <laughs> no, no. I mean, yes. It. Uh, it. All of those are in, and and the yeah. mix. It's it's a lot tighter of race, and I, and I told this to Luke um, at the end of the episode that uh, it I'm sure has already come out by the time you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> time, I, who knows? Irrelevant, irrelevant. <laughs> um, but I, I when when Matt and I were talking, like going into the end of 2023, we were kind of saying like, wow, we didn't, there aren't really that many strong contenders for mm-hmm. like award season. Like yeah. there wasn't one like an Everything Everywhere or a Tar or mm-hmm. you know something that that stood out and just right. went, wow, this is this is you know or like like a Titanic kind of thing, yeah. like something where it's like this is the only thing that that I can remember from the year. This is the best you know one of the best things that I've ever seen. Period, yeah. hands down. And now looking back at it, now that the list has come out and, and you know, kind of going back through all of the movies, like there was a lot of really, really strong, interesting, fun movies yeah. that are that are very strong. So mm-hmm. so they like things like Anatomy of Hall, The Holdovers, Killers mm-hmm. of the Flower Moon, Maestro, right? Yeah. But at the same time it feels like, you know, if I compare it to everything everywhere all at once, all of these feel like they're just like just short of like something like that sure. story to me sure. in my head. Cause even like to take a, uh, the directors like Christopher Nolan and Greta Gerwig, I have, I don't feel like these movies are the best of their work that they've done in the past. Same thing with Martin Scorsese and mm-hmm. killers of the flower moon. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all good, but I don't think they're up there with their better works. So it's it is an interesting one this year. That, um, that being said, I feel like Poor yeah. Things is the best thing that I think I've it stands seen out the most from Yorgos Lanthimos. Absolutely, and it's definitely the the most like everything everywhere from last year. Mm-hmm. Just again being absurd and out there and extreme. Yeah. Um, but again, not doing it just to just to do it, doing it with a purpose, doing yeah. it for effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was was part of the reason why. I don't know. I, I think that the sex scenes were a bit gratuitous just in, in the amount that there were. Sure. But I think that if it was uh, a male character basically doing this exact same thing and learning the world and enjoying and learning learning his body and you know learning how to please others and, and getting pleasure in that way and then sleeping with a bunch of different women... I feel like it'd be a very different conversation. Sure. I feel like it would be, wow, look at that, like championing, you know, fantastic, you know, this stud is, is you know, going everywhere and, and the, mm-hmm. the conquest that, that this character is on, at least that, that used to be how people viewed basically male characters. I mean, look at James Bond, sure. right, as a character is, mm-hmm. look at the conquest from over, you know, 50 different movies or however many it's been. Like, mm-hmm. there's a, a new woman of the week kind of thing. Like, there's always been that in our society about males can can go and do something like this in poor things mm-hmm. and it's you know oh who cares but mm-hmm. now when we have a woman doing it oh everyone's up in arms and oh everyone has an opinion and oh you have to have an opinion about it and it can't mm-hmm. just be the thing that happens it's something that she does yeah well i like and that i like that i, I like, like in the dialogue that's kind of explicitly what they like bella says she's like she's like just so you know i i am marrying this guy like he's right for me, mm-hmm. but I'm you're right for me right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm going with you, so I can ha- adventure and learn about the world and like basically live my life to its fullest. Right. Like I I am just like I'm at this point in my life. But I'm not at that point in my life yet. Right. And that's like a very realistic point of view, which is um 
yeah, I don't know. Being human's weird. We're, yeah. we're just trying to live, man. <laughs> yes. We are all just trying to live. And and I think the other point is exactly that, is we're just trying to live. We're trying to enjoy what we enjoy. And yeah, we're trying to experience as much. And don't try and box me in. You're not going to cage me. Yeah. You're not going to going to knock me down for it and i'm not uh, the i think the the overall thing is i'm not ashamed mm-hmm. i'm not ashamed yeah. of who i am yeah totally or yeah. you know or where i came regardless of yep. where i came from mm-hmm. regardless of of who helped me get there like i am who i am yeah and i'm okay with that yeah so i do like that overall message of the end of the story and everything for sure yeah, yeah. um again going back to another comparison with barbie and uh poor things here I think both are nominated for best production design. They are correct. Well, actually, let me just double check. I like. I remember, han- like, when Barbie came out, I was like, hands down, yes, this is getting a nomination. Mm-hmm. And I, I know this one got nominated. It did. So, I you maybe you already talked to Luke about this, but which one, I I think it's between these two for best production design. Which I, of these two do you think would get it? That's funny because that's that's what I said. I was like, it's between <laughs> Barbie and Poor Things, and I don't know initially that I could choose. Um, seeing poor things so recently, I mean, it is so immaculate, just at all mm-hmm. of like, just the, the subtleties and the, the little things. I mean, and, and, uh, again, kind of, uh, going back to some of my research that I did, like, like even the, the, the paintings that they put in were like on the ship were like, of like tigers killing sheep and like things mm-hmm. like that, like to, yeah. to kind of help sure. that subliminal message of you're trapped and, and you're being attacked and you are being suffocated. Uh-huh. I didn't necessarily see that in things like Barbie or even like in Oppenheimer yeah. or, or Killers of the Flower Moon. Like I didn't see or or hear about like those kind of like subliminal tiny details that you might not catch sure. that were still in there. And I guess it depends on how you're looking at it, right? Because... Uh... A24 and that indie style and artistic style of feeling of production design. Mm-hmm. That's definitely where the way they direct and direction they go. Mm-hmm. Like we saw stuff like that in dream scenario, even with like right. the zebras and stuff. Right. Um, but then Barbie has a different kind of point of view about it. Right. Like they created Bar- uh, Barbie land, I think is what mm-hmm. it was called. Mm-hmm. They created Barbie land and they took in all these, I mean the color palette alone, I'm pretty sure they took all those colors from different like Barbie designs and aesthetics as well as like the houses like they probably they went and I mean even all the different Barbie characters they had uh what was um uh what's his name uh the guy uh, super bad oh oh uh, um I'm blanking on his name it's I know I'm so- blanking on his name but Alan yeah the, the Alan, character of like, Alan yeah I mean they brought in all these characters and wardrobe like very intricate wardrobes that were very specific things mm-hmm from history for mm-hmm. this franchise but see, uh, or not, that, i don't know if it's not a franchise I was, but. It, kind of <laughs> i mean hey if it's an adapted screenplay then you know, <laughs> fucking all bets are off but but to that effect i mean i feel like you're you're kind of picking out a lot of, the, of like the wardrobe and the style mm-hmm. choices whereas the production design was interesting and yes it was all created like from scratch and to, and to kind of echo what the toys did and what the what the toys looked like mm-hmm. in in a real world sense and in a large scale um I think I'm trying to talk myself into into voting for poor things, yeah. but I haven't I haven't quite bought in yet. I yeah. I think that it poor things is probably edges out Barbie slightly in my opinion. Yeah, um, I, I mean, and I get that from like let's say like like that's why I brought up the different kind of style of world building because mm-hmm. they both design these really intricate worlds, mm-hmm. but poor things seems like they did a, in a more 
artistically intentional way like it's like you were saying subliminal in Mm -hmm. some ways whereas barbie did a very good job of creating this world based on the like history and art like objects that existed for this world yes essentially no that that's exactly it i mean that that's the same since we're on this category uh that's the same with all all of the other four oppenheimer napoleon mm-hmm. killers of the flower moon and barbie are all based yeah. on either history or you know in i guess in the case of barbie sure. it, based in history but in, in the yeah, case yeah, of yeah. barbie based on existing property right yes things that have already existed whereas poor things created something new it really did yeah. i mean again the only thing it did was was basically put alexandria and lisbon and yeah. london over over top of of these worlds that yeah are not Lisbon and London and yeah, right like not they quite, are not yeah. there so it totally feels brand new and unique okay. and and not based sure. in reality and i think that that there's a huge merit to to that this production mm-hmm. for that's that aspect yeah and i mean i guess let's say from a competition standpoint you're almost going down a more dangerous route when you design a world based on history because all of a sudden you're just looking at inaccuracies. What yep. did they get inaccurate? Yep. Whereas when you're designing a new world, you're just designing it based on what the f- whatever the fuck you want it to Ex- be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. That's a really good point. Um, That's so a really good point. From a competition standpoint, it almost seems like Poor Things has the advantage in that regard. Yeah. Um, I mean, from that yeah, standpoint, absolutely. I think you're right. I think it does. So I almost maybe talked myself into thinking that Poor Things <laughs> is going to win that now. <laughs> Now watch as Napoleon comes out and just spearheads everything. Oh, God. God, Please, please, please don't do it. Please don't do it. Don't ever let me say. Ridley Scott, what have you done? (laughs) Anyway, um, fantastic, uh, fantastic job, I think, overall. Um, This is, I mean, since since your last point was awards, I'll just mention that uh, this has been nominated out the ass. The only thing that it has not gotten yet and that's Uh because the wga has not released their nominees because Mm -hmm. they're being their own thing this year (laughs) okay uh the the wga awards are after the oscars so it basically Ah, doesn't count interesting that's (laughs) interesting (laughs) right so we'll see what happens with the nominees but yeah the the whole um wga awards won't matter in terms of oscar predictions sure of course, it's going to matter. But yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the only thing that, that we don't have record on, but it's been uh, nominated in every major category. It's got 13 Critics' Choice, a PGA, two SAG. It's yeah. got a DGA Award uh, nominee. It's got seven Golden Globe nominees, uh-huh. 11 BAFTAs, and 11 Academy Awards. So yeah. if you could add wow. that up real quick for me, uh, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, that's a number. <laughs> <laughs> that's a number. That's a number. <laughs> um, 46 total nominations, again, in the major categories. Um, and what's sad is it's only won a couple hmm. so far. Again, we we're recording before a lot of this has, sure. has com- uh, come out, but it won two Golden Globes and a Critics' Choice Award, uh-huh. two of those being for Emma Stone. Yep. And then the other one being for Best uh, music- Musical or Comedy. It's really difficult to say that this is going to win a lot of awards. Yeah. But at least like it's being recognized for, again, the quality of film that it is. Mm-hmm. It just might not resonate with a lot of voters, and it might not resonate with every yeah. person. I, mean, I feel like the biggest uh, competitor is probably going to be Oppenheimer. Um, I agree, which has been because, nominated for thirteen, by the way. Yeah, I, it's yeah, it's the highest nominated, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, it did a good job with a lot of things. Um, it's just not personally my favorite Christopher Nolan movie, but I did like it. Yeah. Um, and I for what for whatever reason, you guys, you and Matt have seen it 
more times in theaters than I have. I only saw, I was only able to catch it the once. That's weird. And, and I'm bizarre. kind of bummed. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed because I do. Well, now it's that, back in theaters right I know, now. It's back in theaters right now. So I kind of want to try and see it again. So definitely go just to refresh my uh, outlook on it. Because, uh, like, yeah, the ingrained memory I have of it is just that it was it's not the best Christopher Nolan movie, but I do like all of his movies. Mm-hmm. Like, um, there are things I definitely liked that they did a lot. Like, there was some lighting stuff they did really well. Um, I liked the score. Mm-hmm. I liked the way they shot things. The um cillian murphy's performance was Killian. great <laughs> i always say cillian i still i still haven't heard anyone else on tv or anything say killian though. i di- i disagree <laughs> so you have though you have, have heard other people say I have. okay i'll say killian from now on <laughs> killian's killing it yes he uh, is <laughs> anyway yes his performance sorry i again i derailed you <laughs> no no that's fine um but yeah no uh oppenheimer seems like it's just going to be the biggest competitor for all these other uh areas yeah yeah. Uh, and then the other thing that I said that I wanted to, to mention before we uh, finish up here is I said that it might not be pal- palatable for everybody. And it definitely is a polarizing film and something that is not for every person who likes movies. Sure. I think it's wonderful. I think it's definitely one of the best. Hands down, before the Oscar nomination came out, <laughs> I thought it was by far one of the best. Um, <laughs> so, but... but uh, you know, I'm curious to see like what Oscar voters and what the general audience kind of feels like. So I looked up the the numbers. Okay. Do you want to give a Do you want to give a couple guesses out here? Uh, guesses for sorry, uh, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes ratings. ratings. Okay. If not, that's fine. Um, for poor things in particular. Yes. Um, no, for movies in general. <laughs> movie <laughs> movies in general, I'd give a nine. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> mm. I think we're a little lower than that. Ah, oh, fuck. Unfortunately. <laughs> no. Uh. Poor things, I want to say, gotta be in at least the eights. Okay. Uh, but based on its, I feel like some of these quirky movies that maybe have a lot of like sexual content maybe don't get as high. So I want to say it's like an eight point five. Oh wow, you were very close, sir. Very close. It's eight point four. Four. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's with okay. 47,000 IMDb Ooh. rating reviews. Wow, that's solid. When you have that many and you have a s- solid number still, right? That's right. Great. I did not think it was up that high, to be honest with you. Wow. If okay. I was going to guess, I would have put it probably in the sevens. I would have said, okay. I would want it in the high eights, but I'm going to give like 7.2 okay. is probably what I would have said. Okay. So that is that, that going to be your me. official rating? No. <laughs> <laughs> and cut. <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay, and then you were saying Rotten Tomato and stuff has their yeah stuff Rotten, as Rotten well. Tomatoes has the, those those okay, out as well. So I'd say audience. I want to say is hmm, I'd say audience is probably around that eighty ish range. So I'd say like eighty five percent for audience. Okay, and then I'd say I'd say more like ninety percent critics. You're you're right in the ballpark, man. You're real close. <laughs> Eighty one for audience. Okay. Ninety three for critics. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. That that tracks. I'm getting better at Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, you are. I'm yeah, you're you're honing in there. I like <laughs> I it. Never I never like look it. at it, but uh, based on the amount of times that we brought it up, I'm starting to get the sense. That's all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> well cool. Um all right, well why don't we do our own ratings? What do you think? Should we rate? Yeah, let's, film? let's let's grade it. Rate it, rate it, rate it, go rate it, rate it. Great greetings, greeting, 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 greetings. All right. 
Uh, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Let me pull it up. Oh, right. We have a sheet. Yeah, this is this is up there for me. I mean, I don't know. I I'm, I'm gonna have to talk myself off the ledge. I think because my initial review, I was just absolutely blown away. Absolutely blown away. How many times have you seen it at this point? This, my second. Still okay. only two. Yeah. Yeah. Same for me. Um. So I think the second viewing didn't necessarily take the, like the fairy tale out for me, but it kind of grounded me a little bit to oh yes, this is a production and it's not the greatest thing that I've ever seen. Um, even though it is, honestly, it is up there for me. It is one of my favorites, uh, recently. So I think this is, it's marvelous. I think it's astonishing and astounding. And it's, it's a piece of filmmaking that I think should be seen repeatedly. And I think it can be seen repeatedly, like we talked about, because it, it's just got rewatchability for so many different reasons. Um, from the concept to the execution, um, to the theme, um, I, I mean, I didn't think that anything was less than than amazing. Um, I mean, I feel like it was a surrealist, like Doctor Seuss esque kind of fable. Um, the yeah. costume design was just awesome to to look at. Um, the The score was incredible, fit perfectly in. Uh, I thought with with every every beat of this movie. Um, I, I thought the acting was mind blowing. We didn't even re- really talk about anybody else. We kind of only talked about Emma Stone, but I do yeah. want to just shout out to Mark Ruffalo and yeah, Willem Dafoe. Willem I mean, Dafoe was great. And yeah. Rami Youssef as well. Like all of them were really, really yeah. solid. Even the general, his goat yes. persona. <laughs> that goat persona, man. I tell you, he can shame. Just, he can just switch it on a dime. <laughs> Cruel motherfucker to goat. <laughs> um, but yeah, the acting was was absolutely outstanding from from the entire cast. Um, I love the dialogue. I loved the way that that the character progression was was shown. Um, it truly was incredible, and 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 the story I thought was empowering and fun and voracious, and I thought had uh, an interesting stance on a very hot topic of basically you know women's equality. Yeah. Um, and this is again a couple of guys talking about something like this, so <laughs> not necessarily the the most I don't know perfect uh, of people to to have an opinion, but I I feel like it's necessary for everyone to at least have an opinion on on something, and I like that. Yeah, that and it, and as far as I can tell, I feel like they like we said earlier, I feel like they did a good job of doing it tastefully yes, to an extent exactly. that people can all agree with and. Uh, just basically get like associate with, I guess. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, hundred percent. So all in all, like I said, I think, I think it's just below the shape of water. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. The more I think about <laughs> it, the more I think about it, it's, it honestly, well, there are two the different qualities styles too. They're yeah. two different styles, but the qualities that I like in both are the same. I love the production value. I mm-hmm. love the, the acting in both. I okay. love the way the themes in it. I love the story. I love the pacing. I love the scores. Like I, I don't. You guys are are, are shitting on me for liking movies. <laughs> I so I feel like I'm gonna stick with my initial review. I'm giving this a nine point seven five. I wow. love this one, dude. This one was was by far. Did you one bump of, Shape of Water to nine point seven five? It's point? always been. Oh, it's, it's always, always been nine point seven five. 
Okay. Um, I keep thinking it's 9.5 in my head. That's I don't fine. Know why. That's fine. That's cool. <laughs> well, because I, I dropped There Will Be Blood down to, to, oh, to 9.5 okay. from 9.75. I see. I think. Okay. Well, at least that's what I was going to do. I don't remember if that made it in. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I love this one. And uh, you know what? I'm not ashamed about it. As you shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I agree with all the points you uh, mentioned. Like the performances were amazing from everybody. Everyone brought their A game. Uh, the production design is insane. After our discussions about it, it just went even beyond levels that I was even initially able to notice. Um, I do like the way they. I do like the way they shot it as well. Um, it, it did have much more of a retro feel and look to it, but, um, that's everything they did technically was, is also res- like very much respectable. Um, I don't think I'm going quite as high as you, but I did like this movie. I think it just falls into a lot more of the terms of it's not the type of movie. Like I, I I've said it before, like, uh, Christopher Nolan's movies, um are more the movies that just like uh resonate with me more those are the kinds of stories that resonate with me more christopher nolan style um this one's definitely got its very much own unique style for sure but i do like the overall story and how they executed everything so it's definitely up there but i'm not putting it i don't know if i'm going it's either high eights or low nines um Based on the heavy hitters from earlier this year, I have, I do have Oppenheimer at 8.75 currently. So, ooh, I think I'll have to go 8.5 for okay. this for me. Wow. Um, I put it on, I think I'm putting it on the same terms as like, I think I have Django Unchained at 8.5. It was like a very solid story movie overall. Mm-hmm. Um, just not generally the type of style that I go out of my way. Like I don't, I don't even know how to define it because everything, everywhere, all at once. I didn't get to rate that, but it would have been in the nines for me for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is also a very weird aesthetic, but that kind of the way they told that story was just uh, does resonate more with me. So there you go. There you yeah. go. I don't know. I can't explain my thoughts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. But. I'll be weird and like movies. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just funny with you. You either it's. I think a lot of them are. You either really love them or you really hate them. <laughs> like you're very like. <laughs> you're yeah. definitely on like either the lower or the higher range. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I see that. I see. What that. was one of the most recent ones? You rated it lower than me and Matt. What was it? Oh, it was. Um, uh, it was Order of the Phoenix. I don't know what you guys saw in that one. <laughs> That's right. You hated Order of the Phoenix. I don't know what Phoenix. you saw in that one. <laughs> yeah, that uh, one. That one I didn't. I didn't care for. Stay tuned for that one. Um, <laughs> quick pause. 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 I don't think A twenty four did poor things. <gasps> did they think, really? Not? I don't think they distributed it. Oh shit! Yeah, I thought they did. I'm gonna. Yeah, we're gonna have to re- re- retract all of that. Oh. <laughs> Really? I just realized I was like, wait a second. Hold on. I don't think no, it was uh it was film four, element, TSG, and then uh distributed by searchlight. Yes, it is. I don't know why I have A twenty four in my head for them. Because it feels like an A twenty four. It show. sure does. It totally feels like right up their alley. All right. Well, uh Jeff, thanks for going to see that uh strange sh- yeah. 
whatever that was yeah it was it was a thing (laughs) it was a thing uh thanks for going thanks for talking to me with that um that was poor things it's currently still out in theaters uh and we will see how it does finishing awards season and if everybody else agrees with me or if everybody else agrees with you (laughs) i feel like it's going to be everyone agrees with you it's like i recognize that the quality is good but i don't think it's going to get there for me i think it'd be almost more in between i think most people might be in between us okay somewhere closer to nines I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> well, go see it. Uh, guys, let us know what you thought. Uh, give us some comments. Don't forget to like and re- review and rate us. Um, if you have any questions, email us at watchedmoviespod at gmail.com. We're all over socials at what we watched and at watched underscore podcast. Uh, go and find us and say hi. Until then, enjoy the movies and we'll talk to you later. Woo! Bye! Bye!